Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, Providence Ballet Theater, New Bedford Festival Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Festival Ballet, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have ventriloquist, comedian, impressionist, and singer Terry Fader. 16 years ago, ago, he won America's Got Talent and since has become one of the most popular entertainers in the country. Fader will be at the Guard Theater in New London on Sunday, April 16th. Hi, this is Terry Fader calling. Hi, Terry. It's John Fusick from Motif Magazine in Rhode Island. How are you? Oh, man, I'm so good. Are you in Vegas? Yes, I am. When do you head out on the road? We, I think we leave on the 12th of April and we're going to be, I think it's six, six days in a row. So up there in the Northeast. So we're excited. I love, I love that area so and we got friends that live in vermont too so we're gonna go hopefully get to spend a little time with them as well oh i think it's mud season up there it is it is <laughs> so when you travel do you fly or do you uh, take a bus uh, no i uh, well it depends i mean if it's a, if it's a long tour i might i might do a bus but usually i fly and then uh, and like in that area what i'll do is i'm gonna fly up and then we'll rent a couple of cars and and me and my team will just drive to and from i love road road trips like that though do your puppets fly first class uh y- yes of course they do yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> if if um if you know putting them under the under the uh, plane is first class <laughs> i um i had a chance to watch well what I, I don't know how old the special was i watched with you the other night but i'm sure i got the gist of what you you do um i never that was the first time i'd seen a full performance by you i mean i'd seen you know snippets of you it was the first time i saw the full show it was from vegas i think it might have been it had to have been about 10 years old at least you still work with winston and uh walter and yes absolutely okay and yes maynard winston walter they're they're there and uh vicky the cougar dougie dougie scott walker my annoying neighbor now some of those some of the characters depending on which one the first one i did i believe was live in las vegas the second one is live in concert and uh and i changed puppets between the first dvd and the second dvd i i got updated puppets the ones that i used on america's got talent and for the first one were kind of <laughs> i just i was having them made and yeah, i'm working with some you know top puppet makers and so i i sort of had to use ones that i just bought out of a store for that first one oh. boy it just happened so fast the whole thing happened so fast i went from obscurity to to you know international stardom it was crazy how fast it happened mm. my head's kind of still spinning and it's been 16 years yeah I, I read that your first ventriloquist doll you bought out of the sears Cal- catalog mm-hmm. I, well actually i just i just went to sears and bought it it was it was actually at the store in the toy department oh really i remember i remember seeing them in the sears catalog i don't remember seeing them in the store mm-hmm. but that kind of dates us though because that sears catalog is long gone but those <laughs> ventriloquist dolls in sears a long time ago too yes yes and those <laughs> things those things it's so funny because you can tell that i i was serious about it even then at 10 because because those dolls were not meant to be used for performances mm-hmm. and so i i kind of you know my my mom and i took the doll apart 
and built another body for him and put a stick on his head. And then I got one of my dad's uh, costume jewelry rings and tied it on the end of the string. So I, I was able to use that little doll as a real ventriloquist puppet for a couple of years before I was able to get my first semi-professional puppet. And I'll even talk about that in the show uh, in New London. So it's going to be kind of, you know, people are going to be able to really get a, get an idea of how I started and, and all, but, and we have pictures of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I was very serious by the time I started when I was 10. And by the time I, I turned 11, I knew, I said, this is, this is what I want to do for my living. I want to be a ventriloquist, a professional ventriloquist. And I think what happened was I found a book. I found a book that had a contract that for a club date and it said $500. Now in 1975 to a 10 year old, $500, I would be able to retire by the time I was 16. So <laughs> in my head so i'm thinking man and and of course our my parents had a janitorial business and we didn't have any employees except me and my brother and my sister so we worked you know endless hours cleaning toilets and stuff and so you know to a 10 year old who's cleaning toilets the idea of getting on stage and playing with puppets is is incredibly appealing <laughs> so one of the things i read too was that part of the reason well part of your practice for learning how to throw your voice was because you liked to sing in the car and you didn't want people to think you were a weirdo by singing in the car, so you learned to sing without moving your mouth. <laughs> Absolutely. You know how you'll look over and somebody's singing in the car and it looks so goofy? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't care anymore, but, you know, when you're young, you really care about how you look. I, 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 that's one of the benefits of getting older is you care less and less. Uh, you know, I really don't give a flying crap about what my hair looks like anymore. I'll go, I'll, I'll get up out of bed and I'll just go to the store if I want to. I don't, I don't care anymore. But you know, when you're young, you really care about how you look. So I would, I would sing without moving my lips in the car so that people didn't see that I was actually singing. But it, it was a double thing. It was also a way to practice. And that's what I did too. You know, I said we were janitor, we were janitors. So as I'm mopping floors and cleaning toilets and emptying trash cans, I'm singing along to the radio without moving my lips so that I can practice my what my goal was going to be was to be a ventriloquist. Yeah, I mean, nowadays people have phones and they have the earbuds in their ear and they're walking around talking to the air and people don't know if they're, you know, schizophrenic or talking on the phone these days. So Yeah, it is funny. I, I used to, when I was young, I, boy, I just dreamed of the day when I had movies that I could watch a movie anytime I wanted. And now that I... I were there i'm really really glad i didn't have that because um you know it's it's i don't think it's good for the psyche i don't think it's good i don't think it's a good recipe for creativity and to you know i had to kind of make up my own um entertainment and oh, nowadays exactly. we're also over entertained and and to think of a child of a young person's mind as it's forming to just be glutted with entertainment from every possible direction i, I don't think it's good so i'm really happy that you know very grateful that i grew up in the era that i did well yeah i mean i i'm totally in agreement with that because I, i'm a songwriter i'm a singer songwriter and when i drive i don't even turn the radio on i haven't turned the radio on in a vehicle i've had for probably 20 years and i use that time it's like that's like zen time to me other than paying attention to the road obviously but yeah i, I like the quiet and you know it like i like the chance for ideas to flow into my head you know you need that you need that creativity and when i was young you know we didn't have all that stuff we had simple simple stuff and you basically had to go out and play with a stick that's right <laughs> you know? that's right and no and it, it's exactly the same way i did it i traveled for 20 years i traveled and and 
and I started going, I went solo. I was in a band for 15 years, and then I went solo as a ventriloquist in 2002 until 2007, until America's Got Talent. And I did the exact same thing. I wouldn't even put the radio on. I would write material, and I would write routines, and I would practice, you know, talking to my puppets I w while I was obviously making sure I was paying attention to the road. But I can't tell you, uh, you know, a six-hour, eight-hour trip would just be a snap because when your brain, when you're working on something like that, it's amazing how quickly the miles fly by, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, I keep a, I have a little uh, card holder next to my, you know, my console that I keep index cards in, and I use that to write notes. And I had to laugh. There's uh, a comedy special with Mark Marin, and a few specials ago, he talks about how he has like post-it notes, and he'd be driving and he'd be writing on post-it notes while I drive, and that's while he drives, and that's kind of the same thing I do. I just sit and drive. All of a sudden, an idea flies into my head. I grab an index card and I'm writing down what that thought is and filing it, and I have like piles of index cards with song ideas and lyrics. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, you know, you just got to find ways to keep yourself um, occupied. And, and that's really my advice to a lot of people. People say, oh, well, you, do you have any advice for someone who's starting out? And I say, you know, the things that you don't like, try to incorporate what you love into it. So, you know, if you're a songwriter and, and you have to wash dishes, uh, you know, at a, at a cafe or, or if you have to do something that you really don't enjoy, work on writing songs or a poet or a writer or come up with ideas and, uh, and you know, it really is a wonderful way to, well, you also have to have a, a good work ethic and make sure that you do everything as well as you possibly can, because that will bleed over into your, you know, when I was a janitor, I, I made sure that that, that everything I did was done as perfectly as possible. And that bled over into my entertainment and ventriloquism. So you just got to, anything you put your hand to, you need to make sure and do the be absolute best because you're training yourself for your future occupation. I was wondering, I know that some of your, uh, I mean, you, you are generally a PG show it's not really it doesn't really get too bawdy but it you no. know you get you kind of edge on it um but I know that some of the things that you do may, especially in these days and climate where everybody's so sensitive, I was wondering if any of your act has been impacted by that. Not really. I don't really, you know, it's weird. Um, puppets and you think you look at South Park and they get away with murder and it's and the reason is it's animated and it's kind of the same puppets people don't get as offended by puppets as they would if I was a stand-up comedian and I said some of the things although you know a lot of my stuff has just kind of evolved uh, I, I a lot of the stuff that was in those first two DVDs was written by other outside writers and and people that had been brought in by management that not really my stuff and what you're gonna see what you're gonna see there in L New London is that that's my stuff and so I, I tend to be a much more um, I don't like to do stuff that is offensive or that might hurt someone's feelings I really love to just make you feel good and make you happy so my job in my opinion is to lift people's spirits make them forget about all the troubles in the world and whatever it is that you're going through or whatever it is you're worried about you're for an hour and a half you're going to come there you're going to forget all about it you're going to laugh you're going to enjoy yourself and then when you leave you're going to feel exhilarated and that's what i do i and I, that's the kind of humor that i write and so so the show is very fun very funny you'll laugh a lot and it is pg it's you know but but nothing that you know it, it's n not even close to what you'll see on primetime tv so you know 
I don't I don't use swear words and I don't you know so it but it's a it's a lot of fun for the whole family. It yeah, really, I, really I can is. see that. Now, one of the things that is very impressive of you, and especially for me being a singer and a songwriter, is that you have an amazing voice, and the fact that you can use that voice in I mean you're you replicate the voices of many artists, male, female, black, white. You do the you run the gamut of being able to emulate these voices, but not just solo as a singer, but you throw these voices without even moving your lips, which is incredible to be able to get the power and the accuracy out of these as a ventriloquist. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I truly am an anomaly. My my vo vocal doctor, my voice doctor, he is the voice doctor to the stars. He's um, His name is, he's just retired uh, last year, Dr. Wayne Kirkham out of Dallas, Texas. And this guy does, he's Mick Jagger's doctor. He was he worked on Elvis Presley. He worked on Frank Sinatra, Ron Reagan, uh, Bill Clinton, you know, the guy, he did Pavarotti before, you know, Pavarotti passed. This guy is the voice doctor to the stars. And when he was doing a, an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, they asked him what the most unusual client he had. And he said, hands down, Terry Fader, because he does <laughs> things that is physically impossible. And I can't figure out how he's able to do it. So it's wild. I mean, I, I'm grateful, but I people ask, how do you do that? I have no idea, but somehow I'm able to get these power powerful powerful vocals and and these full tones with the tiniest a bit of my my uh, lips open it's i don't understand it it doesn't make sense and i break every rule of singing you know i shouldn't be allowed to uh, be able to do what i do and i have vocal teachers come in and say well thank you very much you just destroyed everything that i teach my kids to do <laughs> you know and i'm like well you know not really because they couldn't do it I, i'm the only one that i know of that can do that they can that can get those tones through that uh, it's a weird there must be something very strange about the way my uh, my anatomy is in my vocal range. Mm. It's crazy. Well, I mean, you yodel. I mean, just yodeling in itself <laughs> is like an incredible talent to be able to do, but to be able to do it tight-lipped is is mind-boggling that you can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny story. My dad was telling me that um, I, when I was younger, I, I had this cowboy puppet, my Walter T. Airedale puppet, and, and my dad, I said, I think I want to have him yodel. And my dad said, you can't learn how to yodel. You have to, you're either, you're born with the ability. And I'm like, really? So I went and got myself a Roy Rogers record and I started working on it. It took me about a year. And then one day I just, in the show, um, I had my, my puppet yodel in. My dad never mentioned it, never said anything, but I was like, yeah, that'll, I, that'll teach you. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever heard of the Tuvian throat singing? I have, yes. I yes. was, I was just I wondering this... if that, that's something you might try, because that gives you two tones at once. Well, I actually do a, a, a bit in my act that is in, a, I'm not really doing two voices, but it's sure as heck sounds like it it's a it's a trick it's an illusion but uh when i go when i get there if you want to see it i have uh fernando francisco and willie nelson sing uh to all the girls i've loved before and i do a double i do it's what sounds like two voices so it's a lot of fun yeah i was thinking of that while i was watching that because you were doing uh you know you were doing a couple of things that were duets but you did have to switch switch back and forth and i was like i wonder if you could do the tuvian thing and maybe make it sound like it's it's a chorus of thing but that, i'm sure that yeah i'm sure that's extremely difficult to do it is yes it very much is one of the things that i saw that i thought was hysterical i mean the puppets and you know the other stuff is hysterical as well but you made one of the audience members a puppet which i thought was hysterical because that was yes. just bizarre 
And I had to take that out um, for COVID. And it's hilarious because people, they have seen other ventriloquists do it. And they'll say, oh, you know, you, you took that from those so-and-so and so-and-so. And so and so. But it's really been around for a very, very long time. And so I'm not copying anybody. I've seen, I obviously saw, I saw Ron Lucas do it. Nina Conti, who is a, an, an English entertainer, ventriloquist, she does the bit. But a lot of ventriloquists are doing it. But it's 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 such a popular thing. And I just did it on the Mike Huckabee show where I, I got him out and put a Elvis wig on him and turned him into Elvis and it was so much fun. But it is a it is absolutely a showstopper and an audience pleaser and I will be bringing that and by popular demand because I used to do share many many years ago. I'm actually bringing back I'm going to turn the audience member into share. So Yeah, that's the one uh, that once I saw again. and it was so it was just so bizarre because it, it just <laughs> the face it, it's just the way it moves and the fact that the you know any mannerisms or any movement that the person does whether they're you know want to cooperate or not it, it just makes it even funnier because it just, yeah it's it just sometimes it's a contrary move to the whatever they're doing and it's just I, I just thought that was very funny yeah it's a funny bit for sure you run the game like i said you run the gamut of doing voices you've done like michael jackson and aaron neville you do like sarah vaughn and elvis Presley and like the the Bee Gees the Bee Gees thing was I mean you even came out and just saying sang a Bee Gees song by yourself without a puppet and you just and it was just incredible the so, the job that you did with that well thank you yeah it's a lot of hard work but it's a lot of fun I, you know I didn't even realize I was an impressionist until I was almost thirty years old and I was with one of my band members and we were at a bar and and we were watching this this singer and he was horrible and I I leaned over to my to my friend and I said you know it drives me crazy when people try to make it their own. You you know, he needs to just sing it like the original artist. And, my, and it was my guitar player. And he looked at me and he said, Terry, you're the only person I've ever known in my entire life that can actually sing like the original artist. And I've been doing that since I was a kid. It was a revelation to me that it was a talent that everybody didn't have. I saw an, an act in Vegas, Danny Gans, amazing, one of the greatest entertainers on the planet. And uh, unfortunately, he passed way too soon in 2009. But I saw him perform in 2005. And I said, wow, I, that's what he did. He did impressions of singers. And I thought, well, I can do that. I do all the voices he's doing. But, you know, I don't want to be like Danny Gans Life, so I'll just have my puppets do the uh, the singing. And who knew? I mean, I just honestly, I had no idea it was going to explode the way it was. And I also didn't realize that it was such a specialized gift and that nobody else was going to be able to copy me. I just assumed there were going to be copycats popping up all over the place. And it, was, it took me a few years to realize, wow, you know, this is... This is quite a rare gift that God's given me, and I'm very appreciative of that. And it's something special. It's something that, that, you know, and to be able to make it look like, look, I could get up there and just do it all myself, but it's way more fun to have a puppet do it. Mm. <laughs> it's just magical. There's something magical about it. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that you don't really get a lot of people doing that anymore. Back when I was a kid, you know, the 60s and 70s, you had like Rich Little and a lot of comedians that would do imitations of performers and such. And occasionally you would get one that sang but not very often i mean one of one or two of them might sing one song but never really more than that but you have really made a you made a living out of doing it this because your range is so is so far and wide like i said it's man woman black white all those kind of voices that you can you can manage to get out of that body of yours yeah it is weird isn't it i mean it's so strange that i'm able to do i i i've got this this my voice it just 
is right there in the middle where I'm able to do low, high, and and of course that's a lot of work too. I mean, I I've been able to ex- increase my range by through practice and work and by you know low and high. So I've been able to actually add a few notes down and a few notes up just by hard work. A lot of people you know don't realize how hard it is. You know, it's not, I just don't pick it up and do it. I have to actually work my butt off to to get it as good as I possibly can. Oh yeah. But you know if you're really good at something, when somebody else is watching you, what I want is I want for people to to feel like you know that wow that looks pretty easy I bet I could do that that's (laughs) fine I, I want them to think that you know, and and you think that until you actually try. Exactly. It, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks. So um, I, I know that you had a residency in Vegas, and you had a theater named after you for a while. But that's you've now shifted to a new theater in Vegas. Now, do you still have a long-running show out there? I do. Yeah, I'm at the New York New York Hotel and Casino, and we moved during COVID. Uh, we were actually had this whole plan where I was gonna I was gonna get a big moving van, and we were gonna uh, do a big splash. But then COVID happened and shut everybody down, and and I just reopened at the New York. New York and uh, just having a blast. I love the I love the casino. You know, I say this and I'm not just saying it. It's it's actually part of my act in Vegas. But I say, you know, this is my favorite hotel in town, and it and it actually is. I love the New York, New York. It has been for a long time. It's just cool. It's got a lot of great restaurants, and it's of course it's got a roller coaster, and it's got <laughs> it's a really cool place. It's a very very unique and, and awesome place. Now, how many shows a week do you do there? I do five shows a week there for uh, Sunday through Thursday. I purposely ask if I could take Fridays and Saturdays off, mainly because every act in town performs on Fridays and Saturdays. Now, I do perform on Fridays and Saturdays in special times when there's a lot of people, um, like right after Thanksgiving, and I do during December because my Christmas show is so popular. But for the for the most part, and I, I asked him, I said, look, I'd love to go Sunday through Thursday. Most people are dark Sunday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I mean, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. So I'm, I'm on, so it drives a lot of people to my show on those days. And then I get my weekends either to go, you know, my, my wife and I will uh, head over to Disneyland just for a couple of days or I will tour. It's a lot easier to book road shows on a Friday and Saturday than it is on a on a Tuesday or a, a Monday. So I do my Sunday through Thursday and then I, I'll take a red eye and, and do Fridays and Saturdays sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's a great schedule. I love it. So one of the impressive things is that you're one of the few people that Simon Cowell from America's Got Talent actually liked and still likes. He thinks that you're one mm-hmm. of the best entertainers in the world. Yeah, that's some compliment, man. I tell you, you don't, not many people get a compliment like that so it, it did a lot to help me my father never ever you know he's passed away now he passed away in 2014 but he never ever gave me any kind of indication of being proud or saying and so that was something that I carried with me and it was very cathartic when Simon Cal said I was one of the top two entertainers he'd ever seen in his in his career it, it was interesting it kind of something lifted in my in my psyche when Simon did that it was almost I mean I realized that Simon and I are very close in age but yeah it was almost like a father figure uh, being able to take that and, and uh, lift that off of me that that I never got the approval of my dad. Yeah, that's that's always tough. I mean, fortunately, mine is still around, and they see what I do, and so they give me the kudos that are nice from parents, so that's a good thing. Um, yeah, that's nice. That's yeah. very nice. So, do you have any new characters you've introduced, or are you still is it still the basic group of characters you've been working with your whole career, or, or are there any new characters coming in, or are you working on anything new? <laughs> oh, no, I've, I introduce new characters all the time. In fact, when I was at the Mirage, every single year I introduced 
introduce a brand new character at least once. Sometimes, like one year I did the Rat Pack, and so I introduced Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, and Frank Sinatra all in the same year. So I created, I have about 32 different puppets. Now, I, I can only call them down to, in a 90-minute, I can only do about eight or nine. So right. so you'll see those characters, but, but I rotate, and some of them are exclusive to my Christmas show. I have a Hawaiian puppet that is exclusive. I only use him when I, when I tour Hawaii, which is a blast and, and love to do that. And the Hawaiians love my Hawaiian puppet. He actually made an appearance on America's Got Talent in uh, 2022 when we did the uh, the finale with uh, Celia Munoz and, and Darcy Lynn. That was a, that was so much fun. And I we got to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow with my uh, with my Hawaiian puppet. So, hmm. but yeah, you know, you'll see. And and what's f- so much fun is that the show I'm bringing to the to New London is stuff that people have never ever seen outside of Las Vegas. So it's I'm bringing things because I'm writing a new show in Vegas now and so you're going to be able to see things if you've never been able to come to Vegas and see the show it's brand new stuff and it's really different from any of the stuff that you saw on the DVD I mean I've evolved as a, as an artist and as a writer and so it's not you know that was very rudimentary it's funny to watch it now I'm like oh my gosh I'm so much better and my writing is so much better and, and everything I'm not proud of it don't get me wrong but I think any artist feels oh that yeah way, I mean right? you, you always look back from- you always look back on your older work and you want to you know you kind of sometimes you cringe but it's just it's what it is it's what you did and you move on and you just keep growing and expanding one of the things i was wondering is do you play any instruments i don't you know i tried i I took piano when i was young and i was okay at it i I just never i you know i'm a person who really has to love something in order to uh spend a lot of time on it i i don't have a my attention span is very very short for something i don't have interest in and so i just fell in love with the art of ventriloquism and entertainment and singing and so i spend my time doing that and I just never could get the knack of doing an instrument. However, I have to say when you're manipulating a puppet, it's very much like playing a guitar or something else. And, you know, a person who might be a master at playing an instrument would pick up a puppet and wouldn't have the first clue how to make that puppet come alive. And so I do have mastery of uh, of that skill. And, and of course, I have a mastery of my vocal cords, which is an instrument in a sense, but I do not play like guitar or anything like that. I would love to, but I just don't never really had that talent now when you come to new london what kind of i i the show I saw, you had a horn section, a full band. You had the assistant. You had—I mean, there was a that was a large show. Now, what are you bringing on the road with you? What kind of uh, backup are you bringing? It's just going to be me, and that's all it needs. I I loved it, and it was really fun. And I'm and I'm actually working on trying to get where I I go through uh to performing art centers all over the country and perform with orchestras in the you know the city orchestras the philharmonics or whatever or this just whatever the city orchestra is and that's something that i'm going to be probably unveiling in a in a couple of years we're going to try to get a video of something like that too you know i just found that it was just such a major production to bring all the uh the people on the road and all the the musicians and and so but trust me no one will even know the difference because the music that i have was actually uh, performed by the same band that you saw on that dvd and so the you know the sound doesn't you're not going to notice a difference because it's all everything is separate tracks and so you're you're going to be able to get the same feel as if it's a live band but there's just it's just not necessary it's so much easier I used to have oh my gosh I used to go with you know 14 people on the road and and it was just a mess now it's four of us and I love that you well, know yeah. we all carry the puppets together it's so much easier and so much uh, it's a lot less headache for all of us so. well when you're but when, the show will not suffer I promise people no yeah because when I when I was watching it I wasn't 
wasn't watching the band. I was watching you. I mean, the band is in you know semi darkness in the background, and you're not really paying attention to them. That's just you're you're focused on you. So why pay the extra money for that? Too? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it was so funny because I was doing these elaborate road shows, and all the money I was making was being eaten up by by the expense of having to fly all these people in, get hotel rooms for everybody, you know, and get you know bu- two buses, and, and it was just nuts. Yeah. And so so I. I actually did that. I took my band off the road many years ago because it just got so, it was just too expensive. And, you know, I just, I, it's all about the entertainment and all about, and, and, and then I realized that, you know, like you just said, people are there to see me. They're not really there to see, you know, the, the guys in the back. So everything is, is recorded. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's different, it's separate tracks. So we're able to mix everything uh, so that it really has a great mix and sound. So it sounds like a great show. Well, I'll tell you, it's worth the drive. You will love it. And, and seeing it on video or DVD, it's not the same as watching it live. It, it's electric that, you know, it's very funny. And I will say the show I'm doing right now that I'm doing on the road is the funniest show I've ever done. I used to be much more music heavy, and there's still, uh, you know, a lot of good impressions of music. But it, but the show I'm doing right now is the funniest show. I mean, people have told me that it is so incredibly hysterical, and I love it. I love that. So I'm gonna continue to uh, write comedy forward and then make the impressions and and music addition to because obviously people want to see it and it, because it's it's quite an amazing thing to that I'm able to do these things. But yeah, it's a great show. You'll love it. Well, it's worth the drive. Well, I uh, thank you for taking the time. You're certainly interesting to talk to. It sounds like it's going to be a great show, something that's very memorable and will make you laugh. Because I, like I said, I watched it the other night, and and the old stuff was funny. So I imagine that anything you've come up with since is even funnier. So it, it definitely is. And you know, we all grow and we get better and better at our crafts. And so I think I'm at the top of my game right now. All right. Well, people should come out and see you at the top of your game. It's, <laughs> it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Okie dokie. Thanks to Terry Fader for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Fader will be at the Guard Theater in New London on Sunday, April 16th. For more, don't be a dummy. Just get to guardarts.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Providence Brewing Company, Rhode Island Blood Center, Graysale Brewing, Providence Ballet Theater, New Bedford Festival Theater, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Festival Ballet, Trinity Brewhouse, CIC Providence, and R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.